Let's get on with the teaching for today. Uh, we're still on the series, The Works of the Holy Spirit. A uh, quick recap. Uh, the first message we talked about was the Godhead and the distribution of all things. Because there's no need for you to know about the Godhead if you don't know how to receive the things the Father has for you. You need to understand that the Father, this is the Father's plan. We need to understand that the, the, the Son is the example. We need to understand that the reason why we have the Holy Spirit, the reason why the Holy Spirit was poured out was to reveal the Father's heart, to reveal the life that is in Christ, and to reveal the kingdom. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to stay baptized, because we need to know our Father's heart towards us. We need to know his heart towards us. We need to know that life that is in Christ. The Bible said that it is hidden. You got to lose your life to get that life. And that's what Pastor was talking about when he was talking about violently. You have to violently go after that life. You got to want that life more than you want yours. Jesus said that in order for you to get this life, you got to lose yours. You got to lose yours. You got to care nothing about what people say and everything about what the Spirit is saying. Then we talked about the goal is baptism because there's no use of us just having the Holy Spirit. Come on. We don't just need the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in it. That's what Jesus wanted to give us. He didn't want us to have the Holy Spirit. He didn't want us to watch this. Catch the Holy Spirit. I came from them churches. Well, we caught the Holy Spirit. People running around, got no answers for nothing. But they caught the Holy Spirit. We don't need to just catch the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized. We need to be immersed in it. We need to be submerged in it. Because like I told you, you can't walk in the Spirit until you can live there. No more than you can walk in this building while you're standing outside. The goal is baptism. Then the next thing we talked about was staying baptized. Because how many of y'all know a lot of things are trying to pull us out, the Spirit? A lot of things. Social media, say amen. amen. Society, say amen. Our family, say amen. The devil, say amen. And the number one thing, our flesh. Your flesh is your worst enemy. It ain't nobody else. <laughs> ain't nobody your worst. Ain't nobody the culprit or the villain in your life more than your own flesh. Your flesh hates you. It, it can't wait to get back to the dirt. So it won't do anything it could do to kill you. Because all it care about is going back to where it came from. Your spirit wants to go back to where it came from. That's a deeper subject. That's the fight. Your spirit wants to go back to where it came, and the flesh wants to go back to where it came. Where did the flesh come from? The dirt. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But your spirit, it wants to be with the Father. It desires to stay in his presence. So we taught on staying baptized. Don't let nothing pull you out. Jesus stayed baptized. That's why he could pray over a little boy lunch <laughs> and feed 5,000 people. Then last week we talked from the topic of compound unity in which the Holy Spirit is trying to work love in us. But in order for us to see and realize and understand that he's trying to work love in us, we must understand the essence of love. We must understand that our father is love. So we can't have the father and not have love. We can't say we have love and don't, have it, don't do it in the way the father does it. And then we have to measure our love by what? Our peace, our joy, our faithfulness, our patience our kindness, our gentleness, our goodness, all that is one. I can't, I can't say I have love and I'm not patient. I can't say I have love and I'm not I don't have peace. So it's a compound unity. It's a bunch of things that have to be added to me in order for me to say I have that one. And this is the reason why we need to be baptized and stay baptized so he can work that in us. The Bible says he's trying to work in us his will and to do his good pleasure. 
So the more I stay in his presence, the more I stay in his presence, the more I become like him. Outside of his presence, I become like the world. I become like my family. I become like my bloodline. But on today, the title of the teaching on today is powerful. Powerful. Pastor Kirby had no idea. He'd be preaching my message before I preach it. <laughs> powerful. Now, what's the premise of this? Chris, we don't want to just have power. <laughs> we want to be powerful. We don't want to just have power. We want to be powerful, meaning we want to be full of power. Because the goal of this whole walk is that we become like him. So the goal is to be baptized with, in, by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is going to work in us, we have to stay submerged because the Holy Spirit is always trying to work in us the Father, the Son, and the ways of the kingdom. Our first scripture on today, let me pray. Father, have your way with every mind, every heart, every soul, Father. Father, you know what we need. We give you permission right now, Father, to feed us. We give you permission right now, Father, to intervene, Father. We give you permission right now, Father, by your spirit to rest in this place, Father. Father, we bind every unlearned spirit, Father. We bind every hindrance to hearing, Father, right now in your name, Father. Father, we desire to do your will, Father, to do it your way, Father. We are here, Father, as your sons, your daughters, as your students, oh, Father, your pupils, your disciples, Father. Father, your word said that you would know your disciples, Father, by the love. So, Father, we thank you right now for what you are about to impart in us, oh, Father. Use my tongue as a pen of a ready writer to speak the things concerning your kingdom, Father. Baptize me, Father, and work in me, Father, in spite, Father, of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it reads, it says, but you will receive power. Say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, this scripture lets us know that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Now, understand this, that the scripture that Pastor Kirby read, Acts 2 and 17, where he said, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now, this is not a natural thought process. In the natural, if I pour this, it will be an end eventually when it's done, right? But not so with the Father. When the Father turns something on, it's an eternal spout. He didn't turn it on, then turn it off. He turned it on and he left it running. This is why we should be baptized because the baptism is supposed to take us from a place of where he's poured out the spirit on us. We have submerged ourselves in it to the point where it comes out of us like a river. So we have to stay baptized until what we are baptized in becomes what? A river. Until it becomes a river. Until it flows from us. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. But the thing about it is we'll read that and we'll swear it's flowing. Ain't been baptized <laughs> in the Spirit for 20 minutes. Because we think these things automatically come to us and we don't have to work for them. 
We didn't have to work for salvation, but we will work for the glory. We didn't have to do the work Jesus did on the cross. That was for us. But the, but the, the, the baptism of the Spirit, that's a, that's a price you have to pay. Amen? He said that this power would lead us to be a witness. A witness is an evidence of the lifestyle. There should be an evidence that we live in Abba's kingdom. So the scripture lets us know that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Amen? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. It says, yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon us, we will receive power. But then the scripture tells us right here that Christ is the power of God. DNA. Now, in order for you to get a proper understanding, you have to picture Jesus being baptized by John. When he's baptized by John, the spirit comes upon him and the father says from heaven, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. Now, the reason why I have to do this, because I have to separate the powers. Because it is the combination of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Christ that resides in you that makes you powerful. We thought it was just the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, power, power. It is that seed that is in us. Now watch this. The spirit came, landed on Jesus, rested on Jesus. Jesus was already God's son. Amen. The spirit didn't come on him to make him God's son. It came on him because he was God's son. Now why is this important? Because the Bible said that he had to be made in all points as we are in order for him to be a faithful high priest. If he is not like us, then we can't go into the holies of holies. If he's different from us in any way, Ola, then we don't have permission to go into the holies of holies. Because in the Old Testament, the priest that went in for them was of the cup of Adam. But Jesus being a representative of Christ and the kingdom of God, He had to become like us in order for, to be our faithful high priest. So when I'm born again, I receive Christ. But then when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, it's, to come, it's coming upon me to make me powerful for this life. Jesus didn't go into his ministry just being God's son. He didn't go into his ministry just being God's son. Now, when he was 12, he was about his father's business. He was sitting in the temple. He was learning. He was asking questions. But then, 18 years later, he needed to be baptized with the Spirit. And the purpose of the baptism was to make him powerful. To make him powerful. And what happens? Soon as he received the Holy Spirit, what happens? The Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. <laughs> takes him into the wilderness to test him. That word test means to ascertain the quality of his soul. The Holy Spirit needs to see, is he ready for ministry? Yeah, he'd been in the temple since he was 12. He'd been going to church for a long time. He'd been in the synagogue, hanging out with all the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He's been around the word, but we need to give him this because we need him to be powerful for ministry. So he goes through this wilderness moment, 40 days in the wilderness, no food. He paid the price. 40 days. You ain't no different. You ain't no better than him. <laughs> 40 days, Chris, no food. Tempted by the devil. Eat some, eat some. No, he got power. Turn this stone to bread. Now, that's dangerous. Come on. Now, y'all know 
we fell in some fast and we can't turn nothing to nothing. Barely cook. <laughs> he had the power to turn a stone into bread. The Bible said after that being tested, the angels came and strengthened him. And he walked out full of power, full of the Holy Spirit. He walked out full of the Holy Spirit. That's the goal for us to get full. Right now we're filled. Right now we have some portions, some parts. But the goal is for us to get full so we can be powerful. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit is the presence of the Father upon his children. Baptism into his presence is how we grow and this is how we function. I'm going to say that again. Baptism into his presence, the Father's presence, is how we grow and function. Life in Abba's presence is the kingdom of God. The Bible said that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God, Manushka, is not clothes. It's not cars. It's not food. It's not money. The world can get that. Matter of fact, the world got more than us. <laughs> In the physical. We got huge bank accounts. But we have to access that thing. And you can't access it until he can trust you. He can't trust you no, no further than your prayer life. Come on. He can't trust you no further than your study habits. He can't trust you no further than your church attendance. He can't trust you no further than your servitude. Yeah, I'm not going to start knowing me today. Yeah, I said it. He said the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in my presence. You want to know if you, you, you live in a kingdom lifestyle? Righteousness, joy, and peace submerged. This combo makes us powerful or full of power. It is both the scripture from Acts and the scripture from 1 Corinthians. Same Greek word, dynamis. Same Greek word, dynamis. Christ is the power. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do something. Why is the spirit coming upon me? Because he has anointed me to do. To do. I can't do this thing without what he came upon me. I can't do it unless I stay baptized. Now, this word dynamis. Let me get that, script, that uh, word dynamis. That, um, the word dynamis, power, Greek word dynamis. It means strength, power. Say strength, power. It means ability, okay? Now, power summed up is simply the ability to influence, control, and change situations and circumstances around you. If you can't change the things around you, you have no power. You are powerless. And you're, subject to, you're just subject to the things that are going on. The Father gave us power so we can change things. He gave us power so we can change the way we think. You don't have to think that way. He gave us power. You don't have to feel that way. You don't have to walk that way. You don't have to talk that way. He gave us power. And the purpose of power is so we can change things. This is our evidence that we are not the same as we used to be. That's how you know you have power. You're not the same as you used to be. Power also means inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a person or a thing exerts and puts forth. Now, this power here is the power in which he's talking about Christ is the power. Christ is inherent power. It's power that you receive when you were born again. It's power to love. It's there. It's there. 
power to have peace. He said, peace I leave with you. Not the peace of the world, but I give you my peace. How did he give that to us? Through the seed. Through being born again. It's inherent power. That's inborn power. That's power that you receive just because you are God's child. That's why it says power residing in a thing mm, by virtue of its nature. That's what happened when we were born again. What changed in us? Our nature. We went from the nature of Adam to the nature of Christ. In Adam, we were weak to the world. We were weak. We fell subject to darkness. We had no control over our flesh. Whatever our flesh told us to do, we did it. Say amen. Come on. Whatever your mind told you to do, you, you did it. Whatever your feelings told you to say, you said it. Because what? You were powerless. But this power, inherent power, power that comes by your nature is the whole reason why the Holy Spirit can do a different thing in us than it did in the Old Testament. The only power they had of the Old Testament was the Holy Spirit coming upon them to do miracles, signs, and wonders. In the New Testament, we actually have the power to live the life. The next one is moral power and excellence of soul. Now, this is one rarely talked about in the church. This is the mind of Christ being worked in us by being baptized in the Spirit. So while we, are, while we have the seed of Christ, which means this, that when we were born again, our spirits became one with Christ. But our souls... <laughs> Our souls are still tied to the world. Our souls are still full of generational curses. He didn't change our mind. He changed our disposition. He changed our spirit. He didn't change your soul. He didn't change your heart. He just changed who you were by nature. But now we need the Holy Spirit and to stay baptized in the Holy Spirit and to hear Holy Spirit-filled teaching because now our souls need to be developed to align with who we are in the spirit. That's the purpose of coming to church. This is the purpose of studying the word. This is the purpose of getting in the spirit and praying. This is the purpose of this. It's so that our minds can align with who we are in the spirit realm. Amen. Now, the next one is the power for performing miracles. Now, this is the one we are oh, infatuated with. This is the one that the church thrive after. And they don't thrive after the, the power that is in them, nor the power to develop their soul. But everybody wants the power to do miracles. I want to heal somebody. I want to cast out a devil. No, you get your soul right. This is the one where we want to take Jesus' ministry and just give it to ourselves without going through what he went through. Come on. This is the power. The next one is the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth, gifts of the spirit. The Bible said that he gave us power to obtain wealth. That's a kingdom connection that still has a lot to do with you staying baptized in the spirit. And just like Pastor Kirby saying, violently seeking the things that he called you to do. The next one is power and resources arising from numbers. Once again, this is kingdom power. The next one is power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. This is angelic power. This is power to intercede. This is power to pray and have angels at my beck and call. Now, the combination of these is what makes us powerful. The, all of these make us powerful. So we don't just need power to perform miracles because that's just a power. We don't need power just to get money. That's just a power. We don't just need power to love. We need the whole combination of it. We need to pull up to heaven and say, give me that number one combo. We need all of it. We're supposed to go after all of it. 
But what has happened, and I can't speak for no one else, but as I came up in church, I heard more about the power to do miracles. Come on now. The power to cast out devils, the power to heal. We heard more about that. And so we went after that thing, and watch this. The thing about it is you can go after that thing, and he'll allow you to have it. And this is what destroys churches. This is what destroys ministries. Because we want the nine gifts of the Spirit, but we don't want the nine fruit. And we're more invested in getting the gifts than we are in getting the fruit. Give me my next slide. So, we have the gifts of the Spirit. Miracles, healing, prophecy, faith, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment of spirits, various types of tongues, interpretations of tongues. And then we have love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, patience, self-control, and faithfulness. And we will go head over heels to do miracles. We will read every book on healing so we can heal. Come on now, y'all stop acting like y'all brand new. It's going to help you when it's done. When the swelling goes down, it's going to feel all right. We'll read every book on faith. We will indulge on books just to walk in the prophetic. When was the last time we sat with a book that just talked about how to love? I'll wait. When was the last time we just researched information and found out how do I be faithful? When was the last time we sought the Father in prayer about kindness? Father, teach me how to be kind. Teach me how to be gentle. Father, teach me how to be good. They work hand in hand. What made Jesus' ministry so powerful was that he operated in both. He didn't just feed, he didn't just feed the multitude. He fed the multitude because he had compassion. He had a compassion that made him get baptized in the spirit to feed a bunch of people that if he didn't feed them, it would have been nothing wrong with it. It would have been nothing wrong with Jesus walking away from those 5,000 people and just going about his business to do ministry. But it was his compassion. That's why he would do stuff in front of the Pharisees, in front of the Sadducees. He didn't just heal people. He forgave a woman of adultery. See, we want to operate in the prophetic, but we don't want to operate in forgiveness. <laughs> She's so good. Discernment of spirits. Now, let me ask you a question. Well, let me say this. As a father, if my children came to me and asked me, which is more important? Kingdom power or character power? Which one you think the Father would tell us? Character. Character power. The power of your character can take you further than the power of gifts and talents. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that your gifts will make room for you. Yeah. But watch this. But character opens the door. Character is what keeps us there. How many sports athletes have you seen? I hate when somebody comes to me, don't know nothing about sports. And why they trade him? He good. Why they trade him? It wasn't that he wasn't good. It was that he was destroying the locker room. <laughs> It wasn't that he wasn't good. He averaged 30 a game, but he ain't coachable. So I would rather have a group of people I can coach. Come on now. <laughs> I told Pastor Kirby, I said, Pastor, look, 
Let me tell y'all, you can't pastor anybody or lead anybody who is not under the authority of Christ. You can't pastor, you can't, look, you can't lead anybody in this walk who is not under the authority of Christ. The only way you can lead a person is that in this walk is that they have to be under the authority of Christ. Because, look, we got to build something, amen? I can't talk to you like you're a volunteer. We don't need volunteers. We need people who are under the authority of Christ. We need people who say, I must have his, that's the mind of Christ. I must do what my father told me to do. I must preach the gospel because this is why he sent me. If you're, under the, if you're not under the authority of Christ, you don't have a I must. It's the combination. We need people who are talented. We need people who are gifted, but we need people who can love. Because we don't know who's coming in here. We don't know what pain they have been through. And they need a hug more than they need the prophetic. They don't just need a word. <laughs> Sometimes, watch this, they need your money. They need your money sometimes. We're talking about a, having a powerful life. When we came up in church in Leesville, they didn't talk much about the gifts, but one thing that he constantly talked to us about was winning souls and loving people. And he would tell us often, in order for you to win somebody to the Lord, in order for you to bring somebody into the kingdom, in order for you to bring, win an orphan and bring them into the family, you know what? It's going to cost you sometimes. And, and it ain't, we're not going to do this thing where we just drop them off at the church. The Bible says your fruit need to remain. You bring them, you work with them. You bring them, you make sure that they're here. You bring them, you, you minister to them. Don't bring them here and drop us off with Dr. Hardy and me. That's what he told. That's, what, that's how they raised us. No, you go out of your bank account and help them. That's how the father asks to you. He don't ask to you, you bring them to the church, you drop them off, and then you ain't got nothing to say to them. No, 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 no. This is what needs to be done. You win them, and then... You work patience. Let them work your patience. Let them work patience in you. Come on. Let them work gentleness in you. Let them work kindness in you. Because your fruit needs to remain. We don't necessarily need to bring people to church. We don't even just need to invite them to church. We need to check on them. We need to see, let them know what, I, what you're going through is important to me. It has to be more. We need to, we need to have a powerful life. We don't need to just have a, li a life with power. That's why I'm trying to tell y'all, stop falling subject to these gifts. Somebody pray and anoint them, and you, next thing you know, I need to talk to them. No, you don't. <laughs> That's a gift. That's a gift. And God, look, let me explain something to y'all about the prophetic. Okay. You have the gift of prophecy, right? Okay? Then you have the prophetic, okay? Y'all with me? Then we have the office of a prophet, okay? Here we go. We have the gift of prophecy. We have the prophetic. Then we have the office of a prophet, okay? The gift of prophecy comes without repentance. It's irrevocable, which means you have access to see and hear in the spirit realm demons and angels. Now, that gift is not prophetic until it comes under the jurisdiction of love. Until that prophetic gift gets patience, goodness, kindness, and faithfulness, until it comes under the authority of Christ, it's just a gift. We're falling for the gift. We're not looking for the fruit. It's not prophetic until it has love with it. 
which means I see a spirit on somebody, watch this, and it leads me to change my meal plan. Because the father not just going to show you somebody has a spirit on their child and you not do nothing. He's not going to give you a plan for it. He's going to show you in the spirit, this is what's wrong with apostle, and you're going to go talk about him. That, that was a gift. It has no repentance behind it. It has no love behind it. It has no kindness. It has no gentleness. If he show you something about me, please go fast. That's how you know it's prophetic. Because it's not just a gift, but it's the gift governed by a father's heart. And we fall for the gift. We follow people all over the country for the gift. And you got people right here that love you. <laughs> the church is infatuated with following gifts. Infatuated. Forget the ones that love me. <laughs> Forget the ones that, that teach me, serve me. Forget them. Let's go find somebody else. But then the, the office of a prophet requires you to be indulged in people. If you don't like being around people, then you can't walk in the office of a prophet. The office of a prophet comes with, that, with, with the mindset that Moses had. He said, you know what? I can hang out in Egypt. I got all the latest, greatest, but I'd rather be with the children of God. You see what I'm saying? So we go from a gift to the prophetic to the office. No office it resides or exists for the person, always for the people. The presidential office, it ain't for him. That's for people. The apostolic office is for people. I have to fall in love, y'all. Y'all, look, this is not the fun part. The fun part is studying. I don't know about you. I can't speak for nobody else. I can't speak for nobody else. The fun part is spending time with the Father and him giving me something to give to y'all. That's the fun part. If, you're gonna be a, if you were to be a football player in the NFL, NBA, you better fall in love with training, not the game. The game lasts two hours. The training is all year long. That's the difference between LeBron James and the dude sitting at the end of the bench. That's the difference in between LeBron James signing a $50 million contract a year to play basketball and somebody getting, watch this, and it ain't no pushover, a million. It's what he does in the offseason. You know he spent $2 million a year on his body. Imagine if we, took, we spent resources like that to develop our mind. Imagine if we put our resources, forget a vacation, take time off and just baptize yourself. That's your vacation. It's the nine fruit plus the nine gifts. It's not either or. If we're going to live a powerful life, it's going to be because we have both. The, the Father wants a divine generation. Okay? He wants a divine generation. He already had a gifted generation. We had the charismatics already. What happened? No sonship. Hmm. Can't find teachings about the Father, but you can find teachings about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. He would not call us now to do what they were doing. We could just join them. <laughs> we could just join them. Why do we need to start a, why do I need to be up here if, if we just gonna do what everybody else do? I, I could just join their church. He didn't call me to do what everybody else is doing. I hope you're with me. He didn't call me to do what everybody else is doing. That's the gift of faith. When you can step out and you can do stuff that ain't nobody else doing, you can care less what they think. Kirby and Keenan tell me all the time they're praying for me. He said, you got to be bold to step out and, and speak against what everybody else is out there doing. 
It's easy to just ride the wave of what everybody else is doing to pack a church. It's easy. Just go on, download a message, and say what they said. Y'all have no idea how special y'all are. This is history. This is, you're looking at history. You don't see it now, but you're looking at history. When it's all said and done, and they're reading, the, look, the Bible was not written, and the Bible was not written, and then they read it and did it. When Paul was teaching the Ephesians church, he, he wasn't thinking about, this is going to be in the scriptures. We better watch it. No, he was living his life unto the Father. He was doing what he was called to do, and he made it in there. And it's crazy. Do you know? I'm going to get back to my teaching in a second. Do you know? That's why you got to watch what the world say. You got to watch what people say. You know the two people in the Bible, Duke, who had speech problems and could not talk well, were the two people that wrote most of the Bible. Moses and Paul. <laughs> Moses, huh? Stuttering. Didn't know it. I need somebody else to speak for me. You know what they said about Paul? That's why you have to, you have to watch. What, they said Paul's letters were weighty and anointed. They said, but his presence was weak and he didn't speak well. The most studied person on the planet. His teachings are the most studied of any philosopher on this planet. Paul. The one that they said was not eloquent enough. The one that they said could not speak. Let the Father use you how you are. He's not looking for eloquent. The Bible says this. It says he hot. Jesus said he hides things from the intellectual and the prudent. You know what prudent means, right? Wise by age. He hides it from them and he gives it to babes. He hides it from the, the prudent and the intellectual. He don't care how many degrees you got. That ain't why he talked to you. He talks to you because you submerged and you want to hear him. Let's look at Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and I'm done. Paul said in verse 7, he said, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me, say me, to me. It was given to me. He didn't say the church. He didn't say the other apostles. He didn't say every apostle. He didn't say the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. He said because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me. Say keep me. To keep me from exalting myself that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me to keep me, say to keep me, from exalting myself. So Paul is saying, look, I've been endowed with this great revelation. Revelation is a gift. <laughs> it's a gift. You know how I knew I had the gift of revelation? The father would just wake me up in the middle of the night. How many of y'all seen the movie Matrix when, when they stepped in that... Uh, in that scene and all those, and they was looking for a wardrobe and they just flew in front of him. Y'all remember that? He would wake me up in the middle of the night and the scriptures would just flow. They would just start flowing and he would just start connecting them. And I didn't know what it was. I had no idea I was called to teach. I didn't know none of this stuff. I just knew that he would wake me up in the middle of the night, Serena, and scriptures would just start pouring. They would just constantly, constantly, and I would, and I would go to church and I would hear other people say stuff. And I would be like, well, that was off. You know, I'm, I mean, you know, maybe I'm, I'm missing it. And he would wake me up again in the middle of the night, constantly flowing the scriptures, flowing them, flowing, letting me know you're right. It just ain't your time. You're right. What you're saying, it's just not your time. And so Paul says, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelation, he got the thorn, Chris, because the gift. 
The thorn was there because the gift was there. Because the, grip, the gift was great, there was a thorn there. As an apostle, I'm going to always be challenged by people. Always. <laughs> that, that's going to always happen. As prophets, the devil is going to always try to make y'all think y'all crazy. He, he's going to always try to make y'all think y'all crazy. As watchmen, he's going to always try to make you think you can't see what you really see. <laughs> he's going to always work these things in you. He's going to give everybody has a thorn in their flesh. And the whole purpose of the thorn in your flesh is to make sure that them, it ain't just gifts there, but some fruit. So people are going to always talk about you. They're going to always come up against you. Why? Because the Father wants to see what's in you before he take you to this high mountain and you fall all the way down. Before he give you this big ministry and you collapse in the middle of it. He said, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelation. Now that's odd, ain't it? You would think because his looks, because of his money, because he was highly educated. No. It had nothing to do with that. It was because of the extraordinary greatness of his revelation. He sent a messenger of Satan to keep him in check. It said to keep me from exalting myself, which means to keep me humble. To keep me humble. To let me know that, yeah, you got some revelation, but it's other parts of the body too. Yeah, you got some revelation, but you ain't the only one got some. <laughs> Verse 8, this is where it gets tough. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I'm, that it might leave me. He, pray, he immersed in the presence like the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Father, take away this cup. Please take away this cup. Father, please take away this thorn. Please take away people. Stop talking about me. Please take, please take, nope, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to constantly let people challenge you. It ain't going nowhere, amen? Now, this is where we get to the good part. Verse 9. He prayed and he got an answer. <laughs> Verse 9, it says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Huh. How y'all feel about that? My grace is sufficient for you, Bruce. It's sufficient for you, Bruce. Whatever you're going through right now, Bruce, it's sufficient. Whatever you're going through right now, it's sufficient. He ain't going to pull you out. It's developing you. It's teaching you something. It's showing you something about yourself. It's revealing something to you about yourself that you don't see. It's preparing you for a place that you're going. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. For, for power is perfected in weakness. You know what that word perfected means? Good. I'm glad you don't know. I get to teach. Perfected means matured. Power is, is matured in weakness. It's mature when you can't change the situation, and now you got to seek my face in order to change it. Power is perfected in weakness. So Paul said this most gladly. Therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I got the extraordinary revelation. Now I need the power of Christ to dwell in me. Because I get impatient and I want to tell these people, you know what? <laughs> Y'all ain't my people. You know, Moses said, Lord, get your people. Moses said, no, them your people. <laughs> he said, no. Moses said, you need to get your people. He said, no, Moses, that's your assignment. Them your people. 
You're going to deal with them. They're going to grow you up. Y'all growing me up. I'm not going to lie. Y'all growing me up. That's why I told you, people don't get on the prayer call. I'm not going to get get mad, Father. What you're doing is you're working patience in me. You're working patience in me. It don't have nothing to do with y'all. He made you oversleep. So the apostle can grow up. I'm serious. I'm being, I'm being honest with you because I need you to see it from the right perspective. This is the mature perspective right here. Is what I'm going through is, is there to grow me up. He wants me to be powerful. He don't want my power to just be in a church service. He don't want me to have power to lay hands on somebody and heal them, but then I can't forgive. It don't make sense. He don't want to. He don't want me to have a prophetic gift, but I can't see the. I can't see the good in a person. No, the Father is is is, is shifting our vision so we can see people how He sees people. That person hurt. That person need love. That person needs patience. The reason why they like that because no one's ever been gentle with them. The reason they are the way they are, no one's ever been good to them. Whole family turned their back on them. They come to the church. People talk about them. A shame. The only people who talk about people are people who are powerless. That's the new standard. You hear them running their mouth, tell them you powerless. That's why you're doing that. You got no love, no peace, no patience, no kindness, no gentleness about yourself. There's no God there. He wants us to be what? Powerful. He wants us to be what? He wants us to be what? You can at least say it like you are. He wants us to be what? Hallelujah. So Paul said, he said, I would rather boast about my weaknesses. Who does that? Us. Nope, I ain't got it all together. Yep, I need help. (laughs) Verse 10. Here we go. Y'all read that for me. So y'all don't think I made it up. He wants us to be powerful. He prayed, Father, remove this thorn. Tell them to shut up. Tell them people leave me alone. Tell them to get out of my inbox. Tell them stop calling my house. Tell them stop knocking at my door. Tell them folks to pay my money back. Nope. <laughs> Power is perfected in weakness. They're not going to give it back to you, and you're going to forgive them. Matter of fact, they're going to come to you, going to ask you for some more, and you're going to give it to them. <laughs> when you get to that place, then, wait, I'm, I'm going to help you. You're going to get there quick after this statement. When you get to that place, he'll provide it. <laughs> as long as you guard it and hold it, he can't, the Bible said he gives seed to the sower. If he's giving you seed, it's the soul. We got to learn the difference between seed and bread. Seed is the soul. Bread is to eat. It's a portion you're supposed to eat, but then it's a portion of your finances, of your finances that you are supposed to give. All that ain't yours, it's not yours. And if you think it is, it'll stay right there. <laughs> it'll stay right there until it become his. I told you, the way Bishop Bell raised us, Chris, I used to go pick up people and take them to their job, get back, pull into my driveway, and got no gas in my car to get to church, to where I got to go. Give my last. Somebody called, they ain't got no food. Oh, just come over. You, gonna, you eat with us. This is a different type of power. This is a different type of power. This is a power power in which, like I said, you can win souls with it. 
Because look what Paul said. Paul said, therefore, I delight in weaknesses. Who delights in weaknesses? Us. Us, <laughs> Serena. <laughs> Not I. <laughs> Paul, she said, Paul. <laughs> he said, therefore, I delight in weaknesses. So insult me. Send the distresses. Send the persecution. Send the difficulties. He said, on behalf of Christ, I'll take it. He said, because I learned this thing that when I'm weak, then I am strong. That word strong is the word powerful. You ain't powerful until you become weak. You ain't powerful until you can endure an insult. You ain't powerful until you can stand under distress and have peace. Until the persecution comes and the joy is not removed. That's when you're powerful. When the tribulations come and the trials come and you're unmovable. The Bible says that he's going to shake the earth. He's already shaking it. He said he's going to shake it again. He's going to shake it to see who's left standing. That's all COVID was. Come on now. Churches ain't open back up. Where they at? <laughs> Churches ain't open back up. Why? They haven't learned what it means to be powerful. We're a brand new church. We opened in 2019 and kept the doors open. Did some people get sick? Yes. But are they healed? We <laughs> running from nobody. Let me give you the definition. Of weakness. Give me the definition of weakness. Because we have to start delighting in our weaknesses. Which means we have to, Charles, we have to get to that place. We, if you don't know something, don't be jealous. Ask. If you don't have something, look, ask. If you don't know something, find somebody that, that has, that knows it. There's nothing wrong with you not being able to do something. I told somebody, I think I, told, I was talking to Ola. I'm, look, I will grow out of your conversation. I know how to grow out of people's conversation. You can say, McKinley can't do that until McKinley can do it. You can talk about, my, you, they'll, they'll talk about this church and then they'll get full. They'll shut up. <laughs> you got to learn how to grow out of people's conversations. You have to learn how to grow out of their conversations. They'll talk about you. They'll say anything. Let them say what they want to say. In the meantime, keep growing. Stay submerged. When, when, when you come up and they see what the Father's doing in your life, it's going to silence them. And the main people who are talking about you are going to be your biggest fans. Weakness means to want strength and volume necessary. It means to want strength and volume necessary to, one, understand a thing. Two, to do things great and glorious. Now, this is straight out the, out the Greek. This ain't nothing new. This is straight out the Greek. This is just simple study and looking at a definition. It means to want strength and volume necessary to restrain corrupt desires. To bear trials and tribulations. And so Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. So when I get to the place where I seek the Father and, I wanna, and I'm seeking him because I want to understand his kingdom. I'm seeking him because I want to do great and glorious things. I'm seeking him because I want to restrain my corrupt desires. I'm seeking him because I want to be able to bear trials and tribulations. The Bible says when I get to that point, Adelius, that's when I become strong. That's when I'm powerful. When my gifts have some fruit. Amen? Because powerful means able, mighty, strong, strong in soul able to bear calamities and trials with fortitude and patience. Let us stand.
That's why the Bible said, watch this, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong. That's what he told Ephesians church, chapter 6, book of Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Pray in your tongues. Get baptized. Baptize yourself. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't just be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor. What is he telling you to do? Baptize yourself. Baptize yourself in my spirit. Baptize yourself in my spirit until salvation becomes a helmet. Until righteousness becomes a breastplate. Until truth holds everything together. Baptize yourself. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't just seek power. Seek to be strong in power. The Bible said he wants us to have the gifts. Amen. He said, he said, desire all of them. Desire all of them. Desire all the gifts. But with the gifts, we need some fruit. Because the fruit, watch this, determines if we're growing in.